Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and as always, I'm here with my good friend, Brett Jones, and today we're going to be talking about professional development. Um, there are a bazillion different ways we can we can go about this topic, but um, I've been in the industry going on 20 years. Brett's been going on the industry going on 75 years, so he's got a little bit of time on me, <laughs> and uh, he's got a little bit more experience than I do. I had to get you on that one. Um, don't, don't let the baby face fool you. <laughs> You've got a you got a great face for radio or for podcast, Brett. There you go. Exactly. Um, so you know, it's one of those things where um, I think early on, when you start your career, you just want to learn, right? You want to absorb as much as possible. And I get that because I was that guy that I went out and I can't tell you how many courses I took in the first, I would say, five to eight years of my career. I was uh, I was that guy just bouncing around, taking as many things as possible, thinking that that was sort of the answer to. Um, the questions I was having on how to become a better coach, how to become a better communicator, blah, blah, blah. But um, I did learn some things along the way. And uh, hopefully today we can uh, we can uh, share our experiences with you. So um, it, I think the main difference between Brett and I is my background is not sort of the academic background that Brett has. So I went to school for sociology, criminal justice. I didn't learn. I actually took a couple um, exercise phys classes in college and I actually got like perfect scores on them. So that should have been a pretty good indication that, Hey, maybe I should do something else. But Brett has a more of the traditional background with a, you know, a bachelor's and a master's in um, exercise science, clinical rehab, all that other stuff, ATC Brett's he's, he's kind of a ninja with that stuff. So his, uh, his, his brain is definitely a little bit more seasoned than mine, but um, Brett, besides the, the collegiate stuff, um, Early on in your career, I know obviously you worked with Pavel and you got uh, you got connected with Gray. But were there any um, experiences early on that made you think, "Wow, I need to do more of this" or "I need to go in this direction"? Is there anything that you can think of that was a a clear moment early on that you were like, "Wow, this is something that I should probably be doing more of"? So, uh, well, a couple things. Uh... My bachelor's is in uh, sports medicine, athletic training, master's, uh, rehabilitative sciences, which is actually drug and alcohol rehab. Um, and then just lots of years of practice and study uh, since then. See, I um, totally messed it up, but whatever. He's wicked smart. That's a boss. <laughs> it sounds better when you say it like that. Um, so I would say um, what, what got me started was actually high school wrestling, um, getting injured and actually kind of helping the coach out and being able to spot things uh, within wrestling technique and within wrestling moves that were helpful to my teammates. Um, so essentially starting to coach while I was an injured, injured guy sitting on the side, learning how to tape thumbs and developing an interest in, in sports medicine and uh, things like that. So that was kind of uh, an early 
um, indicator. And, and I actually went to High Point uh, University to, with the in, <clears throat> intent of going into physical therapy school. And then I found out that they had, I had to take physics and I had to do paperwork. And I was like, what else can I do that doesn't involve those two things? And uh, ended up going in the uh, just the straight athletic training sports medicine route, which then ended up transitioning into the fitness world. And um, I think we've talked about it before. Like I, the, the background I have, it, it, it was amazing. I was just at the programming improv seminar with uh, Fabio and Pavel. And they are such students of this. They're such students of strength training, powerlifting, uh, exercise physiology. You know, Pavel's up there presenting and he is just reeling off name after name after study after. And this, this is without notes. He's not looking at notes. He, this is all just knowledge that's carried around uh, in, in the, his neocortex. And, and he just, it's amazing. It was amazing to me. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm not. I'm, I am aware of, I have looked at information. I understand exercise physiology. I'm, I'm, I'm downplaying a little bit here, but you know, I, I, I do pretty well with my knowledge of strength training and exercise physiology, but I'm just not a student of the game the way they are. Um, I, because of my sports medicine, athletic training background, I'm way more of a student of human movement, of uh, helping people move better, exercise technique, and coaching. Um, so that's kind of, um, cause you know, the thrust here is how do you become a better coach? Well, first, um, West side, Louis Simmons may rest in peace, um, has said, compete your strengths, train your weaknesses. We got to know what, what those are. So like the first part of becoming a better professional is what are you good at? Like, like you said, I took these exercise phys classes and, you know, got hundreds and pretty, it's an indicator. Um, you know, I had an indicator that I, I, I was good at coaching and had an eye for movement. And, and uh, so I know what my strengths are. We tend to ignore the weaknesses, but you got to identify those. Um, so long-winded answer, but uh, yeah, it was early experiences and actually wrestling that led me this direction. Very cool. I would actually add sort of one more category to that is uh, strengths, weaknesses, and blind spots. Because I think a lot of the mm. time, blind spots are simply areas that you don't even know that you don't know. It's that unconscious, unco uh, un unconscious incompetence, right? You don't know what you don't know. And, um, you know, the, the, the strengths people tend to usually develop and, and same thing with the weaknesses, but it's those blind spots, not knowing even sort of various components of, of learning and coaching and teaching and, um, and all that. So I think that's another thing that people don't really, uh, think about because, well, it's a blind spot, right? So why would you, um, but Love yeah, it. absolutely. I think, um, I think learning what you're good at and learning what you enjoy is absolutely something that is going to propel you in the direction of something that you're going to hopefully eventually like and be successful at. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, it's easy to do what you're already naturally inclined to, um, sorry, it's easy to, to, to do the things you're already good at. Right. I mean, if you know that you're good at swinging kettlebells, Brett, you're probably going to swing some bells, right? Um, I don't see you going out and running a 10 K today. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't want to judge, but that's not, that's not your thing either. And, and for various reasons, you don't choose to do that while other people, 
you get someone that has a running experience, right? Uh, has running experience and have been doing that for their whole entire life. They don't want to swing a bell. They want to go run because they can just throw the sneaks on. They don't have to think and take off. So um, I, I think it's, it's easy to play to our strengths because, well, it's, it's generally the things that we enjoy a little bit more than our weaknesses. Most people don't want to work on the things that they suck at. And, um, you know, from my experience, not having sort of that academic background, I sucked at everything uh, <laughs> when I first started. And it was really hard for me because I was always an athlete and athletes tend to be those individuals that they can try various sports and they do okay. Like I could pick up most sports and do okay. And um, it wasn't a challenge for me. But then I got to the point where, well, guess what, Mike, being a really good athlete does not make you a good coach. Um, by the way, some, some advice there for you. There are a lot of people out there that have played high level collegiate ball, NFL, major league baseball, you name it. And they have a big name. They're great athletes, but guess what? They may not be able to coach. So before you decide to go sign up with that person, that was a stud athlete, make sure that they can actually coach and not just rely on what they've done in the past because they were athletically gifted. I'm not going to say that they didn't work hard. I'm just saying genetics tend to help. And, um, being a gifted athlete doesn't always translate, translate over to coaching. But, um, for me, I had to really put my ego aside and just learn as much as possible because I was failing left and right. And it was, uh, it was tough early on because I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. Um, I started off with an internship and, and then I was surrounded by all of these incredibly smart individuals with, you know, doctorates in physical therapy, working with the Red Sox, working with Patriots, the revolution, all these Boston based teams. And, you know, here comes this knucklehead that played, you know, D three college soccer. So, um, but for me, it was just being curious, always being curious to learn more. And, I didn't really have a systematic approach to learning, but I just wanted to be in an environment where I could learn. So I was always picking people's brains. And, and luckily at my first job, we had these meetings where we would go over clinical stuff. And again, I, I understood maybe 15% of it, but I was at least exposed to it. And uh, that sort of got me more and more interested in, in sort of analyzing movement and looking at movement. And that's, you know, like you were saying earlier in the podcast, you know, that was kind of your thing. That was kind of my thing early. I, I understood movement and I knew what good movement was and I knew what bad movement was. And that was it. Like it was two, two boxes. And uh, I just, I sort of had this natural ability to look at that and analyze it, but I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know how to screen it. I didn't actually have a, a systematic approach to evaluate, but I was curious. And that led to me starting to take more and more courses. And, and I believe one of the first certifications that I ever took was the FMS and um, well, I mean, I did the, you know, NSCA stuff, but, um, as far as sort of specialty stuff, I believe it was either USA weightlifting or, or maybe the FMS. And even with both of those, I mean, I, I took them and I got certified, but I didn't know what the hell to do with them. And it wasn't until years later that I felt myself frustrated. And I said, you know what, I need to slow down and just, I need for the way that my mind works. I need to focus on one thing. So what I would do is I would focus on one topic and I would basically be committed to that topic for as long as, uh, as long as I could without getting frustrated or bored and wanting to switch to the next thing. So I would look at movement like FMS. I dove into the FMS stuff and learned as much as possible. And I did the same thing with kettlebells and, um, body weight stuff. And 
for me, it was just topic by topic. And that's how I ended up learning. And if you do that for 20 years, you eventually start to get halfway decent at this stuff. And uh, that was really my approach. But um, it was, it was a weird journey for me, right? It was one of those things where I wasn't exactly sure how it was going to look, but I was just curious and persistent and, um, and, uh, eager to learn. And I think that's, that's something that I think people should be okay with. They should be okay with just being curious and, and wanting to learn more. Um, there's, there's so much information out there. When I was starting, there wasn't, there wasn't blogging, there wasn't podcasts, there wasn't any of that. It was, uh, the only site I could think of, and it was probably the precursor to strengthcoach.com. Was it Ryan Lee? Do you remember these? I do. It was like the Ryan Lee. What was it called? Was it like sports strength coaching? But it was like a, it was like the only site that had like information on strength and conditioning. And I think it was Ryan Lee something or other, but. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it certainly rings a bell. Um, and I, I think the, the be curious part of things is something that's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to teach that, uh, maybe within a, within an employment setting, it's forced because you have to take on certain tasks and there's meetings and, you know, things where you're going to be presenting on whatever. And sometimes curiosity is, is forced via your, your job situation, but it's, but it's way better if it's inherent and, and just part of who you are. Um, I think that also, as I was mentioning earlier, um, you know, people like Pablo and Fabio, just students of the game and, and programming, you know, just, they go deep, they go deep. Um, and again, I, I, I went in just a slightly different direction of, uh, of coaching and movement and, and things like that. Um, but you know, you got to know the science. So there is study to be done. Um, there's a good strength conditioning book that you had uh, shared with me uh, some years ago that, that um, is, is just a great kind of exercise fizz and, and strength conditioning resource that I, that I have. I mean, I've got a bookshelf over here with a variety of, of books uh, and some of them have been read um, that, that, you know, help uh, with that scientific base. So, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, part of that is anatomy study anatomy, know your anatomy, know when anatomy matters and when it doesn't. That's, um, that's the hard one right there. Yeah. Right. Because the, the, the coaches that focus on biomechanics right now are absolutely blowing a fuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, know when anatomy matters, know when it doesn't, but you have to know your anatomy in order to make that second decision. Uh, and that, uh, I, I think that, uh, you, you just kind of do yourself a disservice, uh, when you, when you don't uh, study that. Um, so, you know, understand your exercise fizz, know, know your energy systems. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, of basic study <clears throat> to be done. Um, you gotta be good with people. If you're going to coach people, uh, and they're going to trust you, they have to like you and they have to want to spend time with you. And we've talked about this before, but you know, um, you, you got to have a personality and it, and I'm, I'm almost kind of, and, uh, beyond the whole introvert extrovert thing. Um, if this is your job and this is something that you want to do, figure it out, <laughs> whether <laughs> yeah, you, I don't want to hear it, <laughs> right? yeah. uh, but I'm an introvert. Okay. Well, yeah. Still cool. got to do it. Yeah. yeah. 
Good well, luck being a coach if you don't want to talk to someone. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I think we're developing a more nuanced uh, definition and range of people that are extroverted, introverted and things like that. But, but essentially the job is a job. So if you want to do this job, figure it out and be good with people and be able to have conversations, uh, do your self-care and, and, you know, make sure you take care of yourself. But um, you know, that, that's a big one. And I, and I think that boils down to, um, and in fact, I had a, a kid that was interning uh, at a club that I was managing and, and uh, let's just say he was not a social butterfly. And uh, before I left on a trip, I, I gave him an assignment. I need the names of 10 people that you talk to and what you talk to them about between now and the time I got back. Like I had to actually give him an assignment. To and talk to people. <laughs> to talk to people. Um, and he did it, you know, to it, to his credit, he did it. And he, and I got back and we talked about it. And he said, first thing he said was, you know, I, I was scared to crack the ice on the first conversation, but then it got way easier. I'm like, yeah, that's, you, you just gotta, you gotta do this. You know, you get out there, you talk to people. And I, I think it's the same reason people have a block on writing. Um, people have a block on writing because they're like, well, I'm never going to write the next great American novel, so I may as well not even try. Well, that's not the point. Um, I've never written a great American novel. I've got 60 some articles and, and a lot more stuff that I've written um, out there. Um, and none of them are up for a Pulitzer or going to be considered great works of art as, as we move forward. Um, but I, I think that when, when people look at something as simple as conversation and coaching and things like that, they're like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not that great at it. So I'm not, <clears throat> not going to focus on it. Wow. That's a limiter. Um, so uh, the, in addition to being curious, be willing to do the things that make you uncomfortable, get, get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's kind of a training maxim that we've heard before, but it, it applies to everything else in your life. Yeah. And you got to put the reps in and you're going to suck and you're going to suck a lot at the beginning. Um, you know, in, in my world, when I started jujitsu, man, pretty much, unless you have a wrestling background, I mean, you're getting murdered, you're getting murdered and it's instantaneous feedback that you suck. And, and honestly, I think a lot, that's why a lot of people quit because it's uncomfortable, both mentally and physically, you feel defeated. Um, but you just have to go and show up again and just continue to do that. And you have to be somewhat resilient and you have to be okay because you have to be okay with the, with the, the bumps and the bruises, both physically and mentally, because it's just, if you want to be good at anything, it's you're, you're going to hit plateaus. You are going to get stuck. You're going to feel like one day I'm good at this other days. You're like, I should hang it up and, and go do something else. Right. Um, that is just a natural ebb and flow of being, um, wanting to be successful at anything. And I think the individuals that do find some sort of success in the, uh, in the world of strength and conditioning are constantly learning. They're constantly trying to, um, evaluate their, their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, but they're still putting themselves out there. Um, yes, yeah, sure. At a certain point, people just kind of say, you know what I've done enough. I'm going to mail it in. And when I say mail it in, I, that, that sounds very, very negative, but you know, there are, there is a certain point at your career and I'm not there yet, but I, I do understand where people have been doing this for 30, 40 years where they're like, listen, I have been a student of this for, you know, 40 years. It's time to slow down and enjoy the little things. Right. But, um, if you want to be successful in, in the world of strength and conditioning and personal training, whatever you do, 
um, you have to be passionate about it and you cannot do it because you want to make a ton of money. Um, I'm not saying you can't make a decent living, but if you're looking to uh, be Elon Musk, it's not going to happen with your, you know, NSCA CPT. It's just not going to, but at the same time, you, you have the opportunity to impact so many people through the relationships that you develop and through the skill set that you have. And uh, it's pretty rewarding when you can start to change someone, change someone's life just by having a relationship with them and, and helping them with your skill set. So I think that's something that, um, you know, a lot of people don't, don't give, they don't give themselves the opportunity to, to even get there because they quit early. And I mean, it's just a tough industry. And you were talking about being uncomfortable. Um, I'll, I'll tell you guys a quick story and Brett's going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, when uh, I had the opportunity to work for FMS, we had a speaker school out at TPI in uh, San Diego. And I didn't know what it was going to be. All I know, all I knew was I was going to be basically judged, if you will, on my ability to present and speak. And they didn't tell us what we were speaking on. They didn't tell us anything. They just said, show up and we're going to do this thing. And um, it scared the hell out of me. And I was nervous. I, I mean, I remember talking to you several times being like, dude, I'm freaking out. Um, and it was hard, man. I was like, I'm talking like borderline, like anxiety attack going out there, being in front of you know, not, not to mention like you, but like Gray Cook, Lee Burton, Greg Rose. And we probably had 60 people there and you had to go in front of all of these individuals. And at first you just did your thing. You didn't get any feedback. They just put you up there three to four minutes and then they cycled everybody through. And then the next time you came up, they told you basically all of the things you aren't good at. And then they asked you to not make those same mistakes the next time you came around. And if you did, everybody in the audience had foam frisbees and foam balls. And if you made the mistakes, again, they would all chuck them at you. And obviously they did that to, to sort of ease the tension in the room. But man, when you've got 60 people knowing your faults, knowing exactly what you need to work on, and the second you revert back to your old habit, which almost everyone did, you're going to get things chucked at you. And yes, I, I understand the lesson there, right? But man, you need to put yourself in those situations and it's going to suck and it's going to be uncomfortable. And if you've ever been in front of 60 individuals that are way smarter than you, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. But my point is, is that it, that was a point in my career where I just felt like, wow, that, that experience gave me. When I, when I say hope, I don't want to say hope, but it just gave me um, feedback as to, you know what? One, I know I can get better at this. And two, I'm okay at this. So I should continue on that path. And then I was fortunate enough to, you know, move through the ranks and become a lead instructor. But it's, um, talk about being uncomfortable, man, this is, this is uh, a little bit different, but it's important. So having the ability to to speak in front of people that you don't know. And everybody thinks it's about presentation skills, right? You've done stuff on presentation skills. Um, I know a bunch of other individuals that do things on presentation skills. And, and here's the thing, presentation skills aren't just getting up on a podium with your PowerPoint. Presentation skills are the first time you meet someone, the first time you run a group class in front of 10 to 12 people. Those are all presentation skills. You are running the show. And your ability to communicate and your ability to get along with one another and be clear and get, 
out of those individuals, what you're trying to achieve is, is part of it. So it's not just about being on that podium presenting at perform better for the NSCA or at a college. It starts by running a class and, and getting to know people and, and honing your craft there. And that's the thing I don't think people understand. Everyone thinks you just go from being a really good coach to perform better or to this and that. No, it's, it's getting in front of various groups, getting in front of adults, getting in front of kids, getting in front of little, little kids, getting in front of older individuals. All of those little experiences are going to help you with public speaking. So I was the one aiming at your head, by the way, when, when you were up there. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, okay, strategies. The, because, um, you know, we, we, want, we want some takeaways here beyond the get ready to be uncomfortable and yeah. uh, you're, you're not going to be great at this at first. Um, I'm a big fan of, of reading. Um, you know, that was when, when I started working with Gray back in 06 and, and even previously when I, when I worked with him um, a few years earlier than that, um, you know, I, he basically had a reading list for me all the time. Um, it was why we make mistakes. It was blink. It was, you know, um, checklist manifesto. And, and um, I, I, I ran into legacy um, um, Jocko um, discipline equals freedom um, di you know, dichotomy of leadership and, and uh, the other book that they wrote on leadership, which apparently won't come extreme ownership, extreme ownership. Um, you know, there's, there's a wide range of, of books out there uh, that can just be great resources, give you great uh, things to, to learn and focus on um, have, we've talked about this before because we did a whole podcast on having a mentor and having somebody that can, can work with you and help you. Uh, they should be able to identify your blind spots, um, help you with your weak points, build up your strengths. Um, you know, people that can, can really, because when you're in your own echo chamber, um, you're either always sounding brilliant or always not sounding brilliant, but it's your same echo chamber. Um, you need somebody from the outside to give a different perspective. Um, things you just mentioned about with speakers, speaker school, put yourself in those positions. Um, I mentioned it on another podcast when we, where we were talking either about mentors or kind of continuous learning. Um, take a workshop, read something, do an online course and something that you don't agree with, something that you don't like. Um, there's a lot to be learned in that experience uh, as well. So I, I think that um, and then you, you got to work with people. You got to put your time in. Um, and, I, and I think there. Uh, people run into, and I've heard of the term imposter syndrome. Um, I don't know that I've ever suffered from it, but uh, the, because I've always been overconfident. And um, <laughs> so the, uh, um, you know, you put yourself out there, but I think uh, being vulnerable yeah, I, I think one of the things people think about a coach or you know somebody that's up on stage at whatever seminar, whatever, they think there's there's kind of an, an invulnerability or um, this um, they're perfect. And I think if you've ever seen me present, you'll get the idea pretty quickly that I'm not perfect, and um, I, I embrace my mistakes and uh, make them part of the 
part of the jokes that are that are going on. And, you know, being that little bit of vulnerable actually helps draw people to you and actually gets them listening. So don't be afraid to be uh, a little bit vulnerable uh, and open about some of the things that you're um, that you're going through um, and get your reps in coach people, you know, early on. And, and we've talked about this before, you know, people come out and they're like, I'm only going to work with fighters. I'm only going to work with athletes. I'm going to the NFL. I'm doing, yeah. You're working with the 65 year old grandmother who wants to lose 20 pounds for her granddaughter's wedding. She has a left knee replacement and right shoulder pain. Go <laughs> that's, that's Monday morning. Yep. Yeah, you're not stepping into the you know NFL locker room and going, I'm here. Yeah. Who wants to work with me? This is the point you've been waiting for. <laughs> exactly. I have arrived. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, you're going to work with a lot of different people, work with a lot of different people, uh, build those relationships, uh, know that you can step into a role. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, and, you know, being a good coach comes, you know, there's, there is some develop your coach's eye. I think that's one of the things that I, uh, um, I think most from a coaching standpoint, um, be good at looking at movement. And if you're not, spend time looking at movement. Uh, one of the best uh, at one point, and he may still be, I just haven't looked, the best kicking coach in the NFL is a quadriplegic hmm. in a wheelchair. He's never kicked in football. He is considered to be the best kicking coach, one of the best kicking coach in, in the coaches in the NFL. Um, he's that good at looking at movement, at that movement, and being able to tell you where you need to go. Louis Simmons was a savant at spotting weak spots and areas of improvement in in the power lifts. Um, you know, uh, um, there's a lot of coaches out there that that's their strength. They they can look at you move and go. Mm-hmm. I know where we need to go in this exercise, in this activity. That's not, you know, I, I still, <clears throat> even though I'm pretty good at looking at movement, I can look at somebody's swing or press or whatever and identify some things that need to be improved. Um, I always start with my movement screen. I always want to check that fundamental baseline. Had to throw that in there before anybody thought that uh, that was permission <laughs> to skip uh, that step. But, I, you know, I think those are the strategies. And I think that, um, you know, the desire, whether your desire is to be a student of the programming um, game the way Pavel and Fabio are, whether it's to be um, in, in heavily in that coaching direction and, and maybe it's heavily in, in the motivation direction. You look at Todd Durkin. Todd's a great strength coach, but he's a force of nature. Man, if you've ever been around him, I mean, you can't help. You're doing a pride clap and a swagger clap in no time. I mean, he will get you. He will get you going, and he has gone in that direction. He knows he has that force of nature behind him, and he, he knows he's a motivator. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a motivator. Um, if if you want to, you will. If you don't, you won't. And I'm okay with either. I'm okay with either answer. Um, but I'm not forcing anybody or I'm just not a motivation guy. Um, but Todd is a force of nature. So mm -hmm. there's different paths for you. It doesn't have to be one thing and it can be a couple of things, but you know, that's, that's all part of that going back to the beginning of, you know, strengths, weaknesses, blind spots. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that you, 
uh, people tend to see, especially when they look at coaches that have been in the industry for a while is, you know, Brett's, Brett's an FMS guy. He's a strong first guy. That's all he does. He, he, you know, sleeps with his kettlebell and his testing kit. Right. Mike is the same thing. Cause I, I kind of came up with that similar background, right. FMS guy, strong first guy. And I'm an MMA guy, train fighters. Um, to an extent, yes, those are the lenses that we tend to look through, but I'll be honest, I've taken track and field courses. I've taken a bunch of Z health stuff. I've taken USA weightlifting. I've taken a bunch of other specialty courses. Right. Um, and all of those uh, courses that I've taken and certifications have led me to this point. So there is validity in everything that you take. But here's the one thing that I would recommend about continuing education is don't just jump from cert to cert to cert to collect initials after your name. If you are going to take, um, you know, take a course, like we'll, we'll talk about kettle, kettlebells for a second, because that's a passion of both of ours. If you take your, your strong first SFG level one, it happens every single time. And, and you've taught way more than I have is when should I take my level two? That's the, the question. Like literally they, they pass Sunday at four o'clock, they get their cert. Everybody's fired up. They're all jazzed up for the weekend. Amazing life-changing experience. When can I take level two? Cool. Love it. But slow down, learn the intricacies of each lift coach as many people as possible on those six movements because uh, there is depth within those movements. Understand the true principles of strength training. The kettlebell is the vehicle. The principles are there. You can apply those principles to body weight, to barbell, to dumbbell, to sandbag. It's all there. So yes, I want you to learn more and I want you to, to start to go in a direction that, that really gets you excited, but be be a student of that craft and don't just jump from cert to cert to cert. Because if you have all these certifications and you don't know the backbone, the principles behind them, what, what use is it? You're, you know, you're just adding seasoning on something that you, you really don't know how to even cook a steak. And uh, it's one of those things where it takes time. So what I tried to do is, you know, go in a direction and then learn as much as possible about that and then take the next step. That's just how I worked. And, and um, I think it's given me the opportunity to, to really learn more about those principles of training and program design, et cetera. So um, I'm not saying don't take all these courses, but just slow down and absorb the material to the point where you could almost teach it. And I'm not saying you have to get up on stage, but you know, the, you going out and teaching that stuff to other people, that's how you're going to become a better coach. And if you've ever gone through that process of learning and being the student and eventually becoming the teacher, you learn so much more through that experience of sharing knowledge. And it's a pretty magical thing when it happens. So um, take the time to slow down and learn the intricacies because again, you know, you, you work with an athlete, you teach them how to do a kettlebell swing and they're a, you know, former D one football player. They're probably going to get it pretty quickly, but what if they've never done anything athletic in their entire life? You're going to have to teach them how to swing too. What about the one with the knee replacement? You're probably going to have to teach them how to swing. What about the one with some previous history of back pain? You're going to, you know, teach them how to swing. Guess what? Someone may come to you and want to learn how to swing a bell and they move so poorly. Maybe they shouldn't be swinging a bell right now. And that's another thing people don't understand. So um, it's okay to slow down and take the time because it is a never ending journey, right? It's not like you're um, going to the point where you're like, I'm there, I have arrived, I have hit all my goals. And if you are truly a student of, of all of this, um, you're constantly learning. And that's the beauty of this in, in, in any field, right? If you want to 
really have command of, of what you're trying to do and, 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 and sort of climb the ranks, it's just going to take time reps. It's going to be a lot of mistakes, but, um, you know, it's, it's okay to slow it down and just dig deep. And, uh, you know, the old expression, uh, an inch wide and a mile deep, right. That is, that is something that, um, especially in the world of, you know, Pavel's teaching and, uh, even Greg Cook, um, you know, the movement screen seems very, very simple, but when you peel those, those layers back, it's, there's a lot of stuff in there that you haven't even thought about yet that, uh, a genius like Gray, he thought about that 10, 12, 14 years ago. Absolutely. Now, um, definitely take time, um, apply it. You know, when somebody comes to me and they ask me about X, whatever technique, workshop, tool, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if I've done it and I've studied it, I'll give you my opinion. If I haven't done it and studied it, I'll tell you that I haven't done it, study it, and I don't have an intelligent opinion on it. Uh, but if I've done it, studied it, and I don't recommend it, you should probably pay attention to that. And not that somebody else can't take the same information and be successful with it, but um, I, I have my, um, I have my ideas on on certain things. As I paraphrase Groucho Marx all the time, uh, these are my opinions. If you don't like them, I have others. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I think in the end, when it when it comes to you know just being a better coach, you you mentioned it right off the bat. Never stop being curious, um, and just put time in. Have a mentor. Work with different coaches. Take different workshops. Pace them. It's always frustrating to me when somebody's like, well, I, I took these seven workshops this year. That's great. I'm willing to bet you don't understand or know much about any of them because you just didn't have time to apply them. Um, I expect when I teach, I expect 30 to 40% retention. That's not awesome, but on a first exposure, I expect 30, 40% retention. So understand that that thing that you just took a weekend workshop on, you need to study it. You need to apply it. Um, you need to put, put your reps in. Um, and you know, when it comes down to being a good coach, put your time in. Absolutely. And, uh, I think, you know, a couple other things before we, uh, before we, uh, shut this one down. Um, in the world of personal training and strength and conditioning early on, I actually went in and went into some PT clinics and learned from the physical therapists um, because uh, I wanted to learn more. And it's not that I wanted to be a PT or a pseudo PT. I just wanted to understand the continuum a little bit better. I want because if you think about it, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone, a lot of physical therapy is very, very low level strength training. It's just regaining mobility, stability, and getting people back to a certain amount of strength. And obviously there are other various components, but it is strength training. It really is. It's just at a very, very, uh, a much lower level. And obviously if you're post rehab, post-surgery, that's a different conversation, but I mean, that's what it is. So I wanted to learn the continuum a little bit better. So I think in, in our world, I think personal trainers and strength coaches need to learn more about physical therapy. And I think physical therapists and clinicians need to learn more about strength and conditioning. And I think if we were able to meet in the middle, I think we're going to, we're going to level up our game for everybody. So, um, you can visit, you know, sort of, um, the different 
careers that are sort of in the same inner circle, right? It's okay. Go, go spend time with a Cairo. Even if you don't agree with chiropractic, you can learn something. Same thing with PT, same thing, uh, you know, work with an athletic trainer. Um, all of those things are going to provide you insight. And also one thing that I've noticed too, is a lot of the best strength and conditioning coaches, or, or let's say, I can't say best because there's no way to judge that, but a lot of the, the prominent figures in, in strength and conditioning, they look to other industries to learn more about how they can become better in their own industry. Um, you know, look at like extreme ownership, Jocko, he's, I mean, he uses his experience in war and as a seal to help businesses, right? Like people weren't thinking, Hey, how is it, how can becoming a, you know, a Navy seal help business, but it can, right. It's a totally different thing, but it absolutely relates. So, and don't be afraid to look at other industries to help you with what you're currently doing, currently doing. Um, one of our best coaches was, did a bunch of bartending. She is so good with people. She is awesome with people. She can relate to people. She makes them laugh. She smiles. She's always in a good mood. She kills it. She has a ton of experience in the service industry. That's huge. Sales. Same thing. Absolutely. Well, it's, and to, to key on that for just a second, the the business education, because if, if, if you're going to be an independent contractor, if you're going to open a gym, if you're going to get into the business side of this, you, you need to study that. And you need to understand what's going on and, you know, success when I, I, I would argue that you are not successful if you don't have health insurance and you don't have a 401k or retirement plan and you don't have money in the bank and you're, you're literally living client to client. There are prof fitness professionals out there that are, you know, they're successful as long as they're knocking off their eight to 10 sessions a day. And if anything happens to them, they are in a bad, bad place. Um, so you, you need to expand, you know, um, and, and have a business coach or at least study business. Uh, it's, it's really, really important. And then, yeah, drawing in from other fields, knowing that you can pull in information from a seemingly unrelated place, 100% uh, checklist manifesto was about uh, how Atul Gawande uh, worked within the WHO to reduce post-surgical infections. Um, yet that checklist mindset has application to everything. everything. <laughs> so yeah, def definitely, you know, open the, uh, open the, the floodgates, so to speak, and, and be open to, to looking at uh what you can pull in from, from other disciplines and other areas. Absolutely. I think, uh, this is something that we could probably just go on and on about, but I think, uh, I think the message is there. Um, be curious, be willing to learn, learn from everyone, learn, coach everyone, look at other industries. Um, and just, just, um, <laughs> I've always said, I, I think the worst thing I could ever be called is mediocre at something that I love. And, um, if you are passionate about coaching, you don't want to be mediocre. You do not want to be, you want to be, um, you want to be damn good at what you do. Let's be all honest. We all want to be recognized at being good at what we do. And, um, I just never want to hear that term mediocre when it refers to my ability to coach and teach. And, and that's just me. That's how I'm wired. Um, but, uh, yeah, take your time, put in the work and be patient. And if you just do that, over and over and over again. And, and like you said, 
you understand business, you're smart with your finances, you put yourself in a scenario, good things will happen. Um, it's just not going to happen overnight. So put in the work, um, learn from everyone, take your time and uh, good things will happen. An overnight success takes 10 years. Exactly. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, listen, if you uh, really appreciated this podcast, do us a favor, share this with your friends, families, colleagues. Uh, you can also leave us a positive review on whatever platform you are listening. So we will see you on the next one. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.